Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer. A mental health podcast, helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. All right, welcome everybody to the very first ever episode of Unbreakable, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jay Glazer, and you may be asking, why is the guy from Fox NFL Sunday and Ballers hosting a mental health podcast? Well, that's because for years, I have lived in something that I call the gray. Depression, anxiety, let's throw in some ADD while we're at it. And I've kind of hidden it for all these years. I've uh, put on a different mask for all you to see me in a certain light. Well, those days are over. And we all talk about mental health these days, but who gives it words? So by this podcast, I hope to give it words. I hope to be able to, to give us all the words to have the conversations, to describe it. The more we could talk about it, the more we could take the shame away. And the more we realize that we're not alone. We're walking this walk together with so many other people And my goal with this podcast is to help us all through the gray and find a way to the blue. That's our goal. That's what I want to do. And I want to build up one big badass army together. We can all hunt this blue together and tell the gray to go screw off. And sometimes I'm not going to use the nicest words in this podcast because, quite frankly, the gray doesn't deserve to be spoken too nicely. So again, why me? Um, I think my, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a teacher. My expertise is in suffering. One thing God blessed me with the ability to do is that's talk and communicate. And I want to be able to communicate this now. So we start to feel like we're in the majority. The more we could feel like this is not just special to us and it'll make us feel like we're not alone. So I wrote a book this year called Unbreakable, How I Turn My Depression, Anxiety into Motivation, and You Can Too. And in the book, I describe what it's like to go through this depression and anxiety, the pain, the gray, um, the hopelessness of it. And in that book, as I describe it, it's to a certain individual who's really trying to learn about what the gray is like. And with that, I bring in that individual, proud to have him as my first guest. 
It's Rams head coach Sean McVay, who, by the way, is playing in his season opener tomorrow. So I appreciate you joining us today, Sean. I mean, nobody better to kick this off with than you, since you've been there with me, really trying to to understand it from day one with me. Yeah, no, I, I think the first thing is, is how much I've learned from you and the willingness to be secure enough to acknowledge some of these things that you go through and that so many different people go through. But I've talked a lot about this. You and I have talked about it, Jay, with some of our closest friends. And I think the best thing that you're doing right now is a lot of people talk about what comes first, trust or vulnerability. And I think the fact that you're so secure in yourself to be vulnerable, to acknowledge the things that a lot of people are, I'm sure, are feeling and going through leads to that trust. And that's not the other way around. And I think that's why we've gotten so close. I've learned so much from you with your willingness to acknowledge it. I think in some form or fashion, you know, everybody experiences these types of feelings, but it's understanding there is strength in the vulnerability. It's not a weakness to acknowledge it. And how can we use those things and lean on people that are going through it to be able to be uh, mentally and physically tough, but not be, you know, in denial of these are real things. These are real emotions. And acknowledging that provides the strength to be able to push through and get to the blue like you talk about. You know, it's it's funny because we talk about strength. Right. And people ask me, and I think you asked me also, like, you know, aren't you afraid? Like, man, you're this tough guy. And I view it the other way. No, because I'm in the center of dudeism, right? I'm football fighting ballers. I look like I could cry on the drop of a dime, but I think that's the problem in a lot of your locker rooms. Guys don't look at it that way. They look at it like if they open up, they're going to be ostracized. They're going to be called wussies. They may get cut. How do you handle trying to let these guys now know they have a landing spot? I think the first thing is, I think there's this narrative that's pushed, whether it be by social media or the external things that everybody sees, that's just not real. You know, everybody lives real lives. And even though certain people are put on pedestals where they are, um, you know, expected to be just perfect, I think come that comes with a pressure where people are more outside in than inside out than ever before. And this is about being inside out. This is about relationships, the character that you have. And being able to know that, hey, you know, life is about being able to handle the ebbs and flows. Nothing is perfect, but also being willing to say, you know what, I'm having a tough time with this. And what an exhale comes with that when in a lot of instances, those people that you're saying, man, they never have that. When you actually open up to them, they're saying, you know, I'm feeling the same thing. And that provides a relief and an ability for uh, people to be able to lean on each other. And I think in a lot of instances, allowing people to be human. You know, there, there's this narrative that I think people have to be perfect. And that's just that's not real. That that leads to a life that I don't think is fulfilling. But acknowledging that and then being able to use the people that you're around to be able to provide that support structure like what you've done for so many people is what allows you to be able to overcome those things. Acknowledge it and then let's attack it the right way. And that's what we try to do with our guys. And I think it's I think it's very, very unrealistic to not expect people to have bad moments. But how do we prevent those bad moments from turning into bad days? Yeah. And that's being there for somebody, being unconditional, letting people know that you love them no matter what, and you're going to be there to help put your arm around them. How do you get you guys to trust the people on the team, though, to talk about this? I think the vulnerability. I, I think the acknowledgement for, starting hey, with you? I have my own insecurities. My different things, you know, one of the things and we've talked about this a lot and you know me a lot better than most. And, you know, sometimes you're innately thrust into a leadership role where, hey, it takes a lot of time to be able to get yourself to those positions where when you get up in front of the guys, you believe, hey, this is how we're going to overcome that resilient, you know, some of that adversity that we face. But getting to that point can be a struggle. And I think in a lot of instances, acknowledging to the players that, hey, while I feel a very big responsibility to help and set the tone for you guys and being a resilient leader, I have my own insecurities and flaws as well. And to not, you know, to be so naive to think that those things aren't real, you know, I think you lose guys if you don't acknowledge that. And I think that's been a big thing that's brought our team together where uh, we've got such special people and you really know our group really well, Jay. Uh, but perfection, no, nobody's perfect. And I think one of the things is the accountability, the vulnerability that's shared, whether it be for myself, our coaches, our team leaders. I think that helps create and cultivate an atmosphere and environment that's conducive for, for real shit to occur. You know, for you to be able to really work through adversity and acknowledge the things that 
you know, it, it used to be, oh, you can't say that because now you're not this perfect guy. I think there's strength in the vulnerability, like I've said over and over in these first few minutes. And that was one of the reasons why I think we've gotten so close is because I love the fact that, hey, you are this tough, maniac, hardwired, driven guy that communicates, brings people together, all the different stuff, whether it's the fight background, the relationships you build in the NFL, you know, but that willingness is why so many people are drawn to you to be able to say, hey, I'm not perfect, you know, but I am still going to be myself. And we all have our things that we work through. And I think that 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 bonds people and that brings people together. And that's what you've done. You know, and I want to get real with you here, because when we first had the conversation, do you remember you, you didn't get it right? You didn't really understand the depression, anxiety. And your question to me was, wait, so you just wake up sad? Why? Do you remember my answer to you? Yeah, I do remember it. And I think in a lot of instances, no, Jay, no, what, what my, the specific one line answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, we've talked about this a lot. There's uh, you, you have a lot of ways of describing this. <laughs> I have depression, anxiety, asshole. That's what I said. You said, no, no, I get that. But, did, <laughs> but, but fill me well, in. <laughs> what I was asking is, what do you think led to it? You know, because in a lot of instances, you know, some of the things that I've worked through are, all right, well, what is the root of it? How do we attack the problem? We're always solution oriented. And what you helped me, you know, have an understanding for is that there's sometimes it's just things with the way that we're innately hardwired that, hey, man, I don't ever choose to feel this way, but this is how I feel. Right. You know, and I think educating yourself on feeling and knowing are two totally different things. You know, hey, I don't want to be this way, but I feel this way. And those emotions are strong. And in yeah. a lot of instances, I think when we go back to those conversations a couple of years ago, you know, you're still maturing as a man. And I don't even know if I was secure enough at that point to acknowledge that, yeah, in some form or fashion, you have those feelings, you know, I'm talking about myself, yeah. but you know, is there really the security and the comfort to be able to acknowledge like, Hey, there's times too, man, where I'm not feeling great myself, you know, whether it be because of the stress of the job or whatever you have going on uh, because you want everything to kind of be in order. But uh, I think just continuing to mature and acknowledge that these are real emotions that people feel some stronger than others and being able to have that empathy and understanding when you have people like you that are such close friends of mine has certainly helped me in a lot of ways, be able to connect with people in an authentic manner and then also be able to help, you know, overcome some of the temporary things where you're not feeling so good yourself talking about me. Yeah, no. And, you know, it's interesting because you just said it. You said, I didn't know if I was secure enough to talk about it back then, right? And that night I was like, hey, Sean, you don't, you may not get it because you're, I said, your life is like a nightlight. Like your your parents look like the people who you bought, who are in the picture frames you buy from Target. And the worst thing that ever happened to you is you didn't win the Super Bowl in your second year as young as head coach ever. I'm like, you may not get this because you don't have the same childhood trauma that a lot of other people have. But the evolution, last year, when you struggled last year, you went over November, you struggled. And that's the first time I think you turned to some of your boys. You turned to me. You turned to Andrew Whitworth. You turned to a lot of us. And for the first time, you're like, all right, I'm fucked up right now. I need some help. Instead of just carrying it on yourself. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think so much of, you know, some of the own internal pressure or stress that I put on myself was when I was too reliant on the outside in narrative. You know, it was way more about me than I'd ever like to admit in terms of your ego getting in the way and that leading to insecurity. And then what you really realize is, hey, these feelings and things like that, it's okay to feel it, but let's really unpack them and understand, all right, well, why do you feel this way? And then when you realize it's about relationships, it's about being able to kind of be there for people when they need you the most. And it's not about your selfish ambitions or worried about your ego getting in the way, that to me has been the most helpful thing when it became more about leaning on people like you, leaning on the Staffords, the Whitworths, our coaches, Raheem Morris, Chris mm -hmm. Shule, you know, those kind of guys. And knowing yeah. that, hey, what really matters is the people that are unconditional in your life. But I know a lot of my own problems have come from a results-oriented business that is so highly scrutinized. And then you come in as an early coach, you know, you're almost naive to the fact of what a great big opportunity it is. And then you start to realize what's going on and you can let that insecurity creep in if you're so reliant on your self-worth is predicated on what the headlines say. Yeah. And I think then you have a better understanding of, man, where you're really fulfilled is when you're being a real person that acknowledges the insecurities that we all face, but then being able to help people 
come through on the right side or lean on them to help you come out on the right side where it becomes a purpose-driven life about those relationships, about the character that you have and the way that you handle those toughest moments. And man, it, it was uh, it was a tough time. And I don't know that you can ever really replicate it when you're in those moments, because when you look back on it, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, this is how we handled it. But I think, you know, the people that are closest to me, Veronica, my wife and, and my family, you know, they know that uh, it was definitely the right way that we handled it. But that doesn't mean what's simple is always easy. Yeah, but here's here's where you were great. Here's where you were different. Right. Because two years ago, you just would have. And, and early on last year. When we were talking about it, you're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, no, right? I'm like, you're not good, bro. You're not good, right? And I kept calling you to make sure you're okay. And, you know, you were like, hey, I don't think the guys can even tell that I'm struggling. And what you didn't know is like five of your guys are calling me going, oh, man, you got to do something about your boy. You got to help him. You know, he's just, and then you and I had that talk. But where you changed is you started calling me. You started reaching out to help for me instead of me calling you constantly and you acting like, oh no, I'm fine when you weren't fine. And you got up in front of the team. There was one time I remember it was the end of November. You got up in front of the team and you finally opened up to them like, man, I'm struggling. And it just, I think, changed your whole dynamic with them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, my natural inclination, you know, all along is when you go through something, you know, it's your job as a man to solve the problems on your own and you internalize it all. And then you actually draw further away from the people that you need to draw nearer to. Hmm. The opposite occurred when you actually handle it the right way. And I don't think it's by mistake that good things resulted as a, you know, you know, in response to leaning on people more, acknowledging some of those things where, hey, you can still be a strong leader and actually even a stronger leader by acknowledging the real emotions that you're feeling. That doesn't make you weak. That actually makes you strong. And I thought that was really demonstrated by whether it's you, you know, I see, you know, some of my closest friends, whether they're on the coaching staff or even some of our players that are great representatives of embodying that type of mindset and mentality. And man, does that come with a comfort because all these things, all these emotions that, you know, and you've said this before, and I love the fact that you said, hey, people might have different problems, but they all weigh the same to them. Yeah. And acknowledging that, being empathetic to it, acknowledging your own things, and then how you can band together. And that's really what the preface of Unbreakable has been. Everything that you stand for is bringing people together, understanding that the sum is greater than the parts. And, you know, and that to me is what life's about. That's what team sports are about. That's what friendships and, and, you know, and it all goes back to being able to, you know, do these things together with people, but not be naive to the fact that, man, this is hard stuff and real stuff. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I, I really want our audience to really hear what he just said. All our problems were the same. Right? Our wallets are not antidepressants. You may sit at home right now and go, oh, come on, he's the head coach of the Rams. Guy's making millions and millions right now, just won the Super Bowl. What kind of problems does he have? Listen, we all got problems. Right? If, we didn't, if, if, if our wallet and fame weren't antidepressants, <clears throat> then celebrities wouldn't commit suicide. Right? The rich and famous wouldn't kill themselves, and we see it all the time. So it really is, I, I want people to understand, no matter who you are, we all face those issues. And it's interesting because one of the things I have in the book, a way through the gray to the blue, is to have a team, right? To have a team. But as a head coach, it's so hard to use that pillar to get to the blue. Where here you have 53 guys, and you're younger, so they're kind of like your peers, right, in that locker room. A bunch of, how many coaches do you have? 20 plus. Okay, 20 plus coaches, right? All these people in the building, and yet instead of leaning into your team, you isolated more and more. That's when I've been at my worst, I've done that, you know, but I think when you start to learn about it, uh, you start to understand better how to, you know, whether it's even just maturing as a man, how to, how to handle things better. Um, that's what it's always about. And I think the biggest thing too, though, is, is like you say, different problems. I think people acknowledge and come about it in their own timing as well. Like it's got to be on their timing. And that's what I've learned is like, you want to be consistent and know whether it's players or coaches, you are there for them. Some guys, as soon as you acknowledge, you know, certain things, you know, it's like they can't wait for you to ask that so that they can really just exhale and pour in and, and be able to really let you know what's going on. And that might happen the first time. There's other guys that you've got to patiently let them come about it in their own way. And, and I think that was probably where uh, it took a little bit more time for me to be able to open up about the things that, you know, I've had trouble with, whether it's acknowledging just some of the own insecurities that you have, you know, whether you say it's oppression, whatever, these are real emotions that are very strong in your internal being that are not pleasant. You know, I don't know if it's the gray, but I know it ain't the blue. And, right. uh, you know, and, you know, and, 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 you know, hey, that's it's a true thing. But, you know, for me, it's just knowing that, you know, I, I think what's so rare about you, Jay, is you're so willing to share everything. And that's such a great example because of the platform that you have and how you're utilizing it. But just because this is something that's made you so unique and special, it doesn't mean the other people that are struggling with this need to feel like, all right, I'm going to come out with this immediately. It's on your time. Sure. And on your time Great allows advice. you to be able to have the appropriate healing mechanisms and establish that armor. Because, you know, it's not like one of the things that I've learned from you that's been really helpful is, you know, it's not like, okay, hey, I'm having, and everything's going great. I'm in the blue. All right. And that means now you're just in the blue forever. Right. You know, okay. How do we handle when that goes back down and you're not feeling good? How are we equipped with the knowledge, the ability to own it, 
but then be able to get back to where we want to be. Those are the things that I think people are most interested in learning from you. Well, and I want people to understand also, Sean, and I've been friends for a while, We're really good friends, but I turned to him with my own mental health issues and he's turned to me with his and it's gotten us closer. Neither one of us have told us to suck it up. I haven't told Sean, oh, stop, Sean, your life's great. Just get over it. Oh, so what? You're losing right now. He's not told me, oh, Jay, your life is great. Stop bitching and whining. It doesn't happen. So the opposite's happened. We've gotten closer because of the vulnerability. And I want people at home to understand that everybody I've opened up to, it has gotten us closer together. So the more you open up to people, the more it's going to draw you in. But for you, Sean, where you're in a unique position and there's a lot of people out there, in, uh, uh, I guess probably uh, there's some people in a similar position, but maybe, maybe now as a football coach. But the leader needs to take care of everybody else, right? But who takes care of the leader? Well, I think for me, it's it's where we've been able to create, you know, it's it's friends like you. It's my wife, Veronica. It's my parents, Tim and Cindy, my family, you know, and, and I really look at it as we've got people, whether it's coaches or staff members, you know, the Reggie Scotts of the world, Raheem Morris, I mentioned Chris Schuler, where you can really lean on these guys and your players, you know, one of the most helpful things, honestly, that was probably a game-changing conversation is, you know, I don't know how you would categorize, and maybe you know this, you know, what are different levels of negative feelings that you have? You know, I, I don't know if there's a specific criteria, but I know that certain emotions are not pleasant. And when you're going through some of the things that we went through last year and some of the outside-in narratives with myself and Matthew Stafford, we became really close friends. And one of the most powerful conversations I've ever had with really anybody as it relates to just handling adversity was when he and I, after we had had that tough month of November, we lose all three games that coincided with the bye. We're getting ready for Jacksonville that next week. And I think it was, you know, it never felt like it was too much, but man, it was a lot and it was okay for us to say, you know, this has been a challenge, but let's not forget about leaning on each other, enjoying this, leading the way that we know we're capable of, and let the chips fall where they may. And I know a lot of the insecurities and the bad emotions that I was feeling at the time came from me being more outside in than inside out. And I don't think it's joy. Go ahead. You're saying saying forgetting the joy. You're forgetting the joy of it. hundred percent, you know, and and then you really start worrying about, all right, well, okay, where does my self-worth come into play because we're not winning. And then you feel responsible and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, like I was saying earlier, you unpack it, and man, there's a piece that comes with unpacking those emotions that, hey, it's okay to feel that way. But when you really do acknowledge what's going on, is that really real? Or are those your insecurities on things that do you really care about what people that don't know you or what or, or have any opinion about what they think outside in other than the people that are in a position to care about you unconditionally and to know what really matters? And that's how you pour into people. That's how you try to help them work through different things. And with that, I think just came a piece. And it doesn't mean that it's forever that piece, but it's using those things to draw back on and to say, man, those are the times where you showed you come out of it. And it's just don't lose the hope that, hey, this is not finality. This is temporary. If we use the things that we know we're capable of, the people that we're around and really unpacking these emotions to help us get to a place that I think everybody deserves to be in. And I think a lot of this mental health stuff, and you correct me if I'm wrong, not, not all of it, and you're much better equipped to, to articulate it, Jay, comes from this outside-in narrative that is pushed that people think they have to be something that just isn't yeah. true or real. Absolutely. That's what social media does. And that's where, like, for me, talking about mental health, I'm clinical. This is the only memory I have from a little kid on. So I got taken to a therapist when I was four by my parents. <laughs> like, so even back then, they're like, hey, you're screwed up. Um, so mine's clinical, but for the rest of the world, yeah. Let me ask you this, because this is going on, because I'm not interrupting. I want to hear oh, no, yeah. your perspective on this. So how would you articulate to the audience knowing that, hey, you know, I've shared some of the struggles being in a leadership role where you worry about things that really don't matter and that creates these negative emotions. And then you talk about the clinical approaches. How do people, even though they're negative emotions, you know, how would you describe the difference in knowing, all right, one's clinical, one is just, you know, yeah. some of the insecurities, like how do people cope with that? Because there's still a similar bad feeling, but what's the difference in your mind between those two? 
So, you know, one is, again, I, I think, you know, there's difference also between problems and mental health issues, depression, anxiety, right? So a lot of times people have problems like, oh, I'm, I'm so depressed. Well, you're, you're depressed because you have these problems, right? You may not suffer from depression. I suffer from depression, anxiety. When things are great, I still may feel like this morning was hard for me to get out of bed. Every morning, it's hard for me to get out of bed. It's never not. But I make that decision. And once I make that decision to get out of bed, I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to be relentless in life. That's it. Because I'm not going to let this fucking gray beat me. That's that. But the other part is what you're saying. And I, I think we all are feeling a depression or anxiety because of those outside influences that you're talking about. Social media makes all us think our lives suck. Right? We And thank God you're not on it. Right? And I've talked to you about it, Mike. Just make sure you don't do it. Because all of a sudden... I've seen enough stuff written about me that hurts my feelings. Right? And by the way, you said it right there. It does hurt your feelings, right? People think you're... Absolutely. People think, ah, hey, he's rich and famous. It comes with the territory. Fuck that, people. We have feelings. And because we're more emotional, that helped us get to where we are. Right? So I think with people at home also, like, you know, social media, like, we look at Instagram and we're comparing ourselves to everybody else's filtered fraction of a second. It's not even a full second of one day. And we're going, man, how come I'm not at that party? Why am I so left out? How come my food doesn't look like that? And we think our lives suck. And we're talking the most successful people in the world. They look at that and it fucks with their brains. I think my life sucks. Or like, man, when we're growing up and we got bullied on the playground, it fucking sucked for a month. I grew up with the Jersey Shore. So it fucked, sucked. It sucked for a while. Okay. And now it, that's, that's why I'm such a bully now, <laughs> which was what Sean calls me, by the way. Um, and, uh, and one of my exes. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, wait, 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 real quick here. But Twitter, we see it a thousand, we get bullied a thousand times a second, right? It never ends. And it's just this barrage of negativity. But you just said it. And I want people to really hear because you kind of almost threw it away. When you hear bad stuff about you, Okay, and you're not on Twitter, but if you see a bad tweet, we see bad tweets about us. It fucking hurts. It sucks. When you hear bad stuff about you, it hurts you. Yeah, no, no, no matter how resilient and stuff like that, it does affect you in some form or fashion. And that's why you want to be, you know, cognizant of how do you put good stuff in your being. But going back, here's here's my question for you, because that is a very real thing. And it leads me into my question you said something, though, about you wake up this morning, you felt the gray, but you knew when I got out of bed, I'm going to be relentless in the way that I approach my day. I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, what I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to speak out of place in terms of, OK, what did doctors say? But but I'm a big believer in this. You know, I think the power of your mind and the power of the external people that you surround yourself with has a huge influence on how the quality of your life is felt if you really are living in the right ways. What I mean by that is this. Like, I think that almost the majority of the events that occur in our life are, are out of our control. Correct. However, what is in our control is our response to those events and how that dictates and determines what the outcome is based on your response. You had, you said you woke up with the gray. Mm -hmm. I chose to be relentless. You seem like you're doing a heck of a job in your first podcast right here. Seem like, you know, you got that zest for life with the guy that I know most of the, you know, when I'm around you. How do you challenge people that are going through those right. same things to make that choice sure. and to really be able to be that way? Because I know for me, I've never regretted when I've made those choices. Yep. But is there a difference in your mind and the yep. people that say usually this is a result of, uh, you know, actions or sometimes I just wake up feeling that way. And what's the difference in allowing this to be a strengthening mechanism and then also the people you're around? So um, I'll use sports analogy for this. Right. And I just talked about this to the to the, the, the Seahawks and the Vikings and the USFL. Thanks for talking to the Rams. Yeah, there you go. Well, hey, thanks for asking. Um, so <laughs> still waiting for the invite. Mental health is too reactive, right? Now, you don't just, like, you don't have Cooper Cup only catch passes if he has the drops, which, by the way, he never does. But let's just say he did. He, don't, he doesn't only catch passes if he has the drops, right? You, Stafford doesn't only throw passes when his accuracy is off. You constantly do it. But usually we only help our mental health when the sky's falling. 
Therapists usually get us when, when it's too late, right? When the sky's already fallen. So we need to start doing it now. So now, you know, find things that will help you on a daily basis. So I wake up now and I learn, and, and this, I'm going to explain this in great depth over the course of these podcasts, because each week I'm going to have a guest on, but I'm also going to have other podcasts where it's just me kind of explaining and how I feel that day, but also some things that get me through it. But now before I do any, before I ever look at my phone in the morning, I make that decision. I get up and I do 15 minutes of breath work that I learned over in Thailand. I do 10 minutes of meditation that I learned how to do over there. I, I wrote this gratitude list. So I look at things that I'm grateful for before I ever look at my phone that day. Right. So that's a half hour. That's a win. That's a better way than it was for me, you know, a month ago before I learned these things. But my point is, is I'm constantly working at same way. I constantly work in the gym. I'm constantly working on my mental health. How can I improve it? Cause I know it's going to be an uphill battle and people think, and by the way, again, people think, well, fuck you, you've made it. When I made it, it was not rainbows and unicorns. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be like, man, because I don't know how to get love from the inside out. It's motivated me to do all these great things from the outside in and, you know, to get all this outside love. And I thought once I made it, man, my problems would end. It just doesn't happen that way. It's not like that. In fact, a lot of times, the more successful you you are, that brings a whole nother set of problems along with it. And then you're horrified to lose it. When you've had nothing, you're horrified to lose it and go back to, to having nothing. So I have to now work at it. I work my ass off on staying away out of the gray and in the blue. And I now call people when I'm really struggling. And what I'll do too is I'll call four people when I'm really having those days. And I'll say, man, I am fucking struggling today just to talk. And then, and I talked about having a team, and that's a team, Sean. What I'll also do is being of service helps me. I'll then call four other people just to check up on them and not tell them that I'm struggling. And those are the things that helps me get out of it, get out of the gray. But again, you're talking about how do I prevent it? So I have all these things that I do now in the morning, and I'm a work in progress. Like I'm fucked up. And I'm learning to be good with my fucked upness, right? And that's where we're going to take this journey together, everybody on this podcast. Together, we're going to walk this walk together. But, you know, I'm now learning something to do at night also that is helping me as well. And I have three different therapists that I use. So it's a constant thing. And I want people to understand that. You got to put in just as much work with this as you would at your job, as you would working out, as you would at whatever craft or whatever hobby you like. Because if you could shine between the ears and behind your rib cage, it's going to lift you up in everything else you do. Yeah. I, I, that's such a good point because, you know, when you talk about the quality of your mental health, you know, regardless of whether or not people think they're going through it, I think it's such a great point. Like you want to stay in shape or you want to be great at anything. Repetition is the mother of learning. You got to train it. You got to work at it. If you want it to be healthy, you know, you got to eat the right ways. And I think, you know, some of the best times when I feel like you're sustained with that armor, there's really two things that are in alignment for me when you stay in a good place. I'm always a hardwired, charging, very competitive guy that has a lot of urgency and no patience. I, I understand that. I know who, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm realizing those things. And that, that lack of impatience can be a detriment, but it can be a strength. But I know this. To your point, Jay, there's really two things that are consistent when I stay in a great place and you end up saying, this is the kind of life and this is the kind of person I want to be to the people that I care about and I love unconditionally. It's number one when you're working on those things, whether it's the meditations, the reading, the centering yourself, the steam is the way that I center myself to begin the days, you know, where you kind of do some breathing and you can't be reached by anybody else. Yep. It's being able to get a workout where good positive endorphins are released and it's reading things that educate you on all right, these are the things that equip you with the strength to overcome those adversity. And then number two, which is as important as anything, is surrounding yourself with people that add to the quality of your life. Like, I believe so wholeheartedly that you become the company you keep. And when you surround yourself with people that are positive influences, that are that half glass full, but that are also willing to acknowledge there's some struggles, but they don't let that drag on because of that resilient mindset and mentality they want to have. That to me is when it leads to the best quality of life and you're fulfilled because you're pouring into people, you're doing it with people that you love. And like, I would challenge people that are listening to this 
you know, like really ask yourself, are you surrounding yourself with the kind of people that are positive influences? Like, I know there's been a lot of times in my life where I've known people for a long time and it took me a while to where you're saying, well, I've known them for so long, but they're kind of always a dread. They're always complaining about something like, you know, you don't really need people like that in your life. You want, people that virus, a, yeah. you want people that have a zest for life that you're, they're, you're positively pouring into them as they are and you. And like I challenge people to make sure that they're that person they want to be to the people they're around. And when those two things are aligned, man, it's it's hard to break that strengthening mechanism of pouring on your, you know, of really being able to kind of build into your own self, but then build into others and then have them build back into you. And that's when I know I've seen you at your best. That's when I'm always at my best. And the times that I forget it are when I let outside in influences affect my own ego or when I draw further away from the people that I love and care about the most to be able to work through those things. That, and that's really like become evidently clear from our relationship and over the last couple of years. And I, I want people to understand also, and Sean just gave us his, I guess you're, uh, the way you handle these, right? So you wake up in the morning, you get your steam in, you do breath work, you read a lot, which is great, right? I know you do an awful lot of that. So you, you have uh, your gym time, which is your other Zen time, which you do like four times a day, right? You're doing little 10 minute workouts four times a day. Depends on, you know, like it depends, you know, cause for the, when you're at, when you have like a day without the players, you know, usually I can work from home or at the office and you go for about eight, hey, two hours of hard focus concentration. Then I need a 30 minute break just for, you know, myself to settle down. And so whatever that looks like, but it just kind of depends. But those are the things that have helped kind of find a, right. a, a rhythm and routine that's in alignment with sustaining, you know, that overall well-being that you want. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. 
This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then, and then obviously leaning into your team, which is what we just talked about again, and being your family and your crew. So, and I want people to understand this, All right? I have my, you know, this is my routine. That's Sean's routine. When the gray is taken over, it's really easy to not do that routine anymore. So I want people to know that's when you have to step it up and make sure no matter what you do the routine, as much as you don't feel like working out, you got to drag your ass in that gym. As much as you don't feel like talking about gratitude, you got to force yourself to do it because it's those down times that are going to help you really relish in your life and to to get a lot of that great to dissipate when you went through november last year were you still doing this routine or did you let it fall off no there was times when i i wasn't but then when i got back to it you know i, I can't remember exactly how it went jay i know it wasn't a good feeling but it's it's when it's going tough but i also think to your point too when things are good don't lose sight of building right. that foundation that armor and so that's why you should go to a therapist even when even when times are good. Talk to a therapist. That's when you could build new like new tools. Correct. And like to me why I think this is for everybody is that, you know, there's different levels of, you know, emotions that people feel, but I don't know anybody I've ever met in my life that doesn't want a high quality of well-being for their mental health. And if you say, "All right, these are the things that are in alignment with consistently obtaining and achieving that," or helping you overcome some of the tough moments you're in to get to those places. I, I don't know that I've met anybody that would say, you know, I don't want really that, you know, those people, I, I question, you know, your sanity, but <laughs> I just think that there's a lot of different things, but to me, it's consistency in a rhythm and routine. It's acknowledging the, all the insecurities that in different yeah. forms or fashions we all have. And then who are the people that you can lean on who are the people that you can pour back into where the real fulfillment and purpose comes from? And then what are the things that create that stillness for you? You know, Jay and I have different things, even though they might be similar types of activities. But, you know, it's it's really, you know, I think a lot of it, too, is, is really being able to have that self-awareness with people that are around you that can be unconditional and being able to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yep. You know, that's what I'm so grateful for. And then also being able to really dive deep and, and own some of these things that you're feeling. So then you can figure out what are the best ways that I can equip myself with the strength to be able to live the quality of life that I think everybody deserves to live. Hey, look, and it's a different world nowadays. Look, your grandfather did this business for a long time and I think should be in the hall of fame quite honestly, but here you are in your fifth year. Absolutely. Uh, fifth year. Last year is your fifth year, right? Was that fifth year? Okay. So your fifth year, that's my point, right? So last year, I would, there were times last year I'm like, I think he's going to quit in the middle of the year, which I know you're not a quitter, so you weren't. And then after the year, obviously, there's a lot of talk of you going, stepping away to Amazon. That's something that your grandfather, people would like, man, they were able to do this for years and years and years. But in just five years, this job got to you that much where you thought about it. That's, that's a mental health thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think what it is, is I think a lot of it is, is, you know, it's me, the way that I'm wired to, to kind of drive and push. I think, you know, this, you know, I, I always am going to be a guy that just knows one speed and that's full speed as it relates to competing and doing those types of things, but finding that balance. That's exhausting. Uh, it's exhausting, you know, but, but you know what though, like it's, it's how do you acknowledge the fact that this is probably who you are, but how do you really counter those things? to be able to have a better understanding of, all right, well, why do you feel these ways? And I think the best thing that came out of last year, even some of the tough moments that we've gone through, and, and you know this too, Jay, like it's easy for people to kind of roll their eyes after you say this, after the way the season ended. But, but I truly do believe this, like, you know me well enough to know, like, you know, and it sounds silly when you say it out loud, right, you go from seven and one to seven and four, but 
you know, it's in the midst of adding Vaughn and Odell, the, you know, the outside in narrative and everybody's kind of writing you off. And then you really say like, okay, how do I, what, what, do, what really did I love about coaching? And what do I love about football? You know, like in its truest form, when you get back to whether you're playing or even when you start coaching and before you let all the outside in stuff blur and create those gray things. And it's about people and it's pouring into people and it's finding a team and it's doing something about, Hey, I want to see these guys succeed more than my own selfish ambitions. And I don't think it's by coincidence that good things happen. We were able to overcome some moments and the players are the ones that made the plays make no mistake about it. All right. But I can look back and say, you know what? I was proud of being a good advocate and, you know, being able to lean on people, acknowledge some of the insecurities, but then be strong and resilient in some of those tough moments that helped us overcome. And that, that to me is one of my favorite parts. Now, I think the big thing that we've continued to say on this is this is not a, there's not like an ending point to this journey. This is a constant way of seeking to live a high quality, a high state of life, as our guy John Gordon would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and those things are about people and equipping yourself with the knowledge on how you best can handle those things. And, you know, when you feel those types of things coming, what's the best way that we can minimize that uh, as quickly as possible? I want to go back to you being the leader, right? When you first got this job. And as you know, I always tell, you know, the guys who, who are first time coaches, like, be prepared because the stuff that's about to come across your desk, you can never imagine. So when you're in this role now and you get brought to your attention, hey, this player is suicidal. This person's wife is suicidal. This is this person's gone down a rabbit hole. This guy is getting suspended for this. This guy is, man, he's getting built out of money here. This guy's father has this or whatever it is. All the problems that suddenly come to you. A, were you prepared for it? B, how do you suddenly handle that? That's that's a lot. It is. I, I think number one, you know, when I was first hired, Jay, and I look back on it, there was a genuine ignorance is bliss in terms of the things that I get upset or pissed off about now. I wouldn't have even known when I was 30 years old that that freaking matters. You know, and I have to constantly remind myself of, all right, how do you prioritize an attack? And it's all about our people, you know, but I think it's, I think, you know, the the couple of things that have really helped me is as you accumulate experience, people are more comfortable. They get to know you a little bit better where, Hey, that vulnerability comes first, then the trust. But I think time, you know, really both of those things come with time and being able to, I know this, when I've had players that I've talked to being able to say like, Hey, it's okay not to be perfect. I've had my own things that I have to work through. What that does in terms of lightening the load for them to open up. Like, I I think there's this just narrative that everybody feels like they have to be perfect. And if they're not, they're weak. And that that is just so false. And so I think it's the acknowledgement of that, um, the understanding of what comes with this. And then the main thing, like I've talked with NBA guys, you know, Doc Rivers and I have gotten really close and I think the big thing that's different, you know, we talked about it early in the call. You got 53 players. I really look at it as we got 69 when you add our 16 practice squad players, you know, and then you've got 20 plus coaches. You have to be able to lean on all of those people to be able to cultivate the environment and the atmosphere by the way that you treat them, the way that you let them know how important their role is and how it contributes to the greater good. But you can't do it all. And that's the biggest thing is having great coaches or having great leadership from our locker room has been instrumental in handling it the right way. And as soon as you lose sight of it's all about the people that you're around, that's when it just, you know, goes sideways. And that's the one thing that you can never prepare for all the things that come across your desk. But, man, it's a lot easier to be able to handle it when you got people you can lean on. And even if you are innately thrust into a leadership role, sometimes the best thing you can say is, you know what? I don't know the answer. I don't have that, but let me listen, learn, and then I can lead the right way. You know, we talked early in this podcast about some of our pillars, right, and what we do and some of the routines that we have. And one of them I said was, was you know, being of service. Another one is, you know, is, is having that team. And the third one is laughter. And I'm going to leave you with this, gang. Uh, so Sean threw his whole team off of the practice field and training camp this year. And I was driving with him after. And all I did is start laughing at you in the car, right? Like I just got in the car and you're like, the fuck is this guy laughing at? And now you know why I was laughing. 
Hey, if you can't cry, you got to laugh, right? I mean, we had about 20 false starts in 15 plays. I don't know how that's possible, but it was. It was uh, It's not a good movie. And I was very upset. He was quite upset. Hey, look, and I want to make sure we, we kind of hit a little laugh here because we talked about some heavy stuff, and I appreciate that, man. That's You know, we pull our skin back, and we're vulnerable, and we're raw, and it helps out so many people by doing this, that we're all walking this walk together. Before I let you go, one last thing. I'm going to ask all my guests this. Give me your unbreakable moment, your moment of something you overcame. It could be any point in your life, something that you had to overcome, something that, man, you worked so hard, you finally got it, something that, man, you came through the other side of this tunnel. It didn't break you. You came through the other side. What would that be? I think to me, you know, there's so many things that I could reference and that come to mind, you know, but I think the unbreakable moment for me has been, you know, an ever evolving thing of, you know, really working on acknowledging the things that when I unpack are really my own insecurities or my ego getting in the way. And a small demonstration of that is leaning on people like yourself, our players, our coaches through that month of November but I just think, you know, the unbreakable moment is really living an unbreakable life in regards to doing the things that you talked about, consistently pouring into people, surrounding yourself with positive influences, living the life that you want to live, and then being able to sustain yourself with the armor to overcome when you feel these feelings or when the outside pressure starts to get to you and you're feeling bad in your gut and you say, no, 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 how do I unpack this? I think it's a continuation for me, Jay, but I think it starts with being around people that allow you to be comfortable enough to acknowledge these feelings that you have and then equipping yourself with the people and the knowledge on, hey, this shit is only temporary. The tough times don't last. The tough people do. And being able to be a tough person means acknowledging your, and being vulnerable, but also leaning on other people, pouring into them. And that leads to living an unbreakable life, which I think we're all really trying to uh, achieve. Dude, I appreciate you coming on. First guest, you're kicking us off, man. I really appreciate you. We'll set the bar low. It's like my dad always said, you know, under promise, over deliver. (laughs) Hey, you can only go up from here. (laughs) I appreciate you joining me again. Sean McVay, head coach of the Rams the night before their season opener against the Buffalo Bills. And for everybody else out there, we appreciate you joining us here. Every week we'll have a different guest. I'll also have different check-ins throughout the week. So as I am trying to walk through this gray, we could all walk this walk together to the blue. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.